Peace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you, and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. Perhaps we're thinking that on these last several Sunday mornings, the good Lord is trying our faith as to whether we really have a hunger for his word or not. But it's good to be here in God's house this morning, and I hope you are glad that you came. You heard me announce that today is known as Quinquagesima Sunday. Last Sunday it was Sexagesima, two weeks ago it was Septuagesima. Those names are Latin names, and they are numeral names. Two weeks ago, when we said it was Septuagesima, it meant that we are now about 70 days away from Easter. Last Sunday, Sexagesima meant 60. It meant we were about 60 days away from Easter. Today, Quinquagesima is the numeral for 50, which simply means we are now about 50 days away from Easter. And Quinquagesima Sunday is always the Sunday that ushers in the Lenten season. Those are the names of the three Sundays before Lent. And as we are on the threshold of the Lenten season, the text that I just read is very appropriate for this Sunday of the church year. In it, we find Jesus talking about his death, and we find him giving a prophecy about his death. Well, that is very interesting, and perhaps you and I may have not been aware of this prophecy that he made about his death. It was Tuesday of Holy Week when he was in the temple for the last day before again his death on Good Friday, the following Friday. And as he was there in the temple uh, speaking to the group, some of them very hostile to him, uh, some of them liking him, he said, I've got another story I want to tell you. We know it as the parable of the vineyard. And so he told them this story. He said, listen, he said, there was a landowner. He said that went out and planted a vineyard and he hedged it around. He simply went out and planted the vineyard. He simply encircled it, doing everything possible. In it he put a wine press. In it he put a watchtower for the watchman. He did everything and just simply made it the very finest kind of a vineyard. And then Jesus goes on, this landowner then, he leased it out to some farmers on a share crop basis. And then the landowner went into a far country. And then Jesus says, and now when the time for the ripened uh, grapes came, uh, this landowner, he sent his agents in order to get his share of the crop. And Jesus tells him, lo and behold, when he sent his agents, why those farmers, those tenants, they went and they seized his agents, they grabbed them and they 
took one and they beat him and they killed another one and they stoned another one. Can you imagine? In other words, what a surprise welcome for those who were coming for their share of the grape crop. And then Jesus says, and then the landowner, uh, when he heard about it, he went and sent more of his agents, more than he did the first time. And they were coming for their share. And Jesus says, what a surprise, those tenants. They seized them and killed them and beat them and stoned them. And then Jesus says, the landowner decided, well, what I'll do now, I'll send my son and surely they wouldn't think of doing anything like this to my son. They will have more reverence than that for him. They surely won't kill him and murder him. And so Jesus says, the landowner, he sends his son to come and to get the share of the crops. And when the tenants, Jesus says, saw the son coming, they said, here comes the son in the air. Let's kill him. Let's murder him. And then we'll have the inheritance. And then Jesus says, they took that son and they took him outside of the vineyard and they murdered him. What a surprise. This is the parable of the vineyard. We may say, what is Jesus telling us about his death? Not only prophesying and foretelling his death, but telling us this, that his death was the surprise tragedy of the world. And you and I know it today as that very thing. In other words, the most unexpected tragedy that ever occurred in human history is again the murdering of God's Son who came into the world to bring deliverance from hell and the gift of eternal life and surprise of all surprises, they took him and they murdered him. Jesus prophesied and foretold this of his death that it would be the surprise tragedy of all ages. It would be the most unbelievable tragedy, the most incredible tragedy. It would be absolutely one that would give an astonishment that we'd say, oh, they'd never do anything like that. And Jesus prophesied, this is what they will do. It will be the surprise tragedy. They are going to take me and kill me. And on this Sunday before Lent, Jesus calls on you and me to rejoice and to thank him that he prophesied that his death would be the surprise tragedy of the ages. It would be that one thing that people say, that could never happen. No, no, they would never take Jesus and murder him when he came to bring life and salvation, the most wonderful blessing. It just can't be. But Jesus on Tuesday of Holy Week in the parable of the vineyard, he prophesied this is what would take place, that the surprise tragedy of all ages would be his death, and you and I know it. And we stand and we say, but if he wants us to rejoice and to thank him, uh, you and I may hesitate a moment and say, I find it hard to rejoice and thank him because perhaps all of us have a, a feeling, oh, we have a feeling of guilt when we think about this prophecy, to think that he had to prophesy that his death would be the surprise tragedy, the most incredible tragedy that has ever taken place. Unbelievable! Who would ever think it? What a surprise! What's again, what's all oh, we'd say to ourselves, this is astonishing. Who in the world could ever expect this thing? The most unexpected tragedy of all. And uh, we feel a bit of guilt, don't we? And we uh, feel just a little bit of shame that uh, as regards his death that he'd have to prophesy that this was the surprise tragedy of the human race. And yet Jesus calls on you and me to thank him and to praise him for this prophecy, this prediction, 
For again, he would assure you and me that maybe we don't realize that, that there's something about it that brings assurance to you and me and it brings us comfort. And let's look at it this morning. Even though we may feel just a little bit ashamed that he had to make this kind of a prediction about his death. That again, and that it still stands today. People say, no, you mean to tell me that they murdered God's son? That they murdered the Savior who came to bring the very greatest blessings that heaven could give? And on Tuesday of Holy Week in the temple, Jesus said, this is my prophecy. And of course, we know that even in this 20th century, it stands today as the surprise tragedy of all ages uh, that they took God's son and they murdered him. Who would ever have believed it? And yet Jesus says, rejoice and be thankful because there is some assurance. I find great assurance and comfort in it. In the first place, in this very prediction that Jesus has made, uh, there is this assurance that he must have been no less uh, than the all-knowing God. You may say, what did the parable mean when he was telling them this on that Tuesday? Who is the landowner? Well, the landowner, of course, is God. Jesus was telling them, you of my people, you know what God did. He came out and he planted a vineyard. He planted a nation. He gave you the land of Palestine. Hemmed in on the west of the Mediterranean Sea by the mountains. He hedged it in. You were to be a nation among nations. And God, in that vineyard, he gave you everything. Yes, he gave you your priesthood. He gave you your line of worship. He promised the Messiah and the Savior. You had everything and you were given it and God allowed you to run it and you were to be uh, the ones who were going to give me and give back God again his share. And then Jesus is telling them, then when the time came for the grapes to be ripened each year, God sent you his agents and they were the prophets. And what prophets he sent again. And what did they do with the prophets? They took them and they beat some of them and they killed some of them and they stoned some. And then Jesus says, what a surprise. And then God sent you more. And when you and I look back in the Old Testament, Jesus knew his Bible. Oh, there was starting again with Samuel. And we think of Elijah and Elisha. And then there was Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Hosea and Joel and Amos and Obadiah and Jonah and Micah and Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah and Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi. And what's the story? They beat them and they abused them. Some of them they stoned and some of them they killed. And then Jesus says, and now... The sun has come, and what a surprise. You're going to murder me, too. He must have been the all-knowing God when he told this parable on Tuesday of Holy Week in the temple. And there is the assurance that we say, ourselves, was he God? Surely he was with the omniscience that was his. And he knew what was going to happen. It would be the surprise event of the universe that they would murder him who had come to bring life and salvation. And there's comfort for you and me the comfort that, again, because he was the all-knowing God, he certainly was big enough and he was of great value enough to be our Lord and to be our Savior. So there's comfort for us. And even though, again, we may bow our heads in a bit of shame and embarrassment that he had to predict uh, that the surprise tragedy of the human race would be this, that when God's Son came into the world and came to do only good and to bring life and salvation, that they murdered him. And on this Sunday then, before the Lenten season, we ought to say, I'm going to thank and praise him, even though I have a sense of guilt. That ought to mean this, that we ought to determine to, to take a look at this Christ. And again, this prophecy that he made about his death, the surprise tragedy. I wonder if in your life and mine, you and I have associates who have never taken a look at this Christ. 
and this prophecy about the surprise tragedy. We know it, don't we? We are told by missionaries that when they tell the story of Jesus for the first time, for individuals who have never heard it, they are flabbergasted. Oh, no! You mean to say that when God's Son came into the world, they murdered him? They can't believe it. And I wonder if you and I have ever looked at him. A week from tomorrow night, as you've heard me mention, we're going to start some adult lectures, and this is what we want to do. We want to take a look at him. We want to take a look at him who made this prophecy on Tuesday of Holy Week before he's dead, that in this world there would be a surprise tragedy and it would be his death, that people would never get over it. They'd say, I could never dream that this could ever take place. We'd say, no, no, that couldn't possibly happen. But Jesus says, it's going to happen. And it did, and today we still stand and we say, the tragedy of tragedy, the greatest surprise that ever hit this world, is that men took God's Son, who came only for good, and they murdered him. We say, this is the tragedy. I wonder if in your experience and mine, there aren't some who have never taken a look at him. These are the ones we'd like to have come, a week from tomorrow night, again, without any pre-commitment, but just to take a look. That again, they may have the satisfaction that they've at least taken a look at him, before they make a leap one way or the other. This is the idea of the adult class, uh, that again, they may feel at home. This is Quinquagesima Sunday. This is the Sunday before we get into the Lenten season. And it was a tremendous prophecy that Jesus made. Sometimes we may miss this meaning of this parable of the vineyard. But again, it wasn't only this that he prophesied his death, but he prophesied this is going to be a surprise. This is going to be one of those things, the last thing you would ever think. But you're going to take the Son of God and you're going to put him to death. You're going to murder him. Yes, you are, whether you know it or not. Oh, again, we'd say, well, this is unthinkable. This is unbelievable. This is incredible. No, no, we would say. But Jesus says, yes, yes. Yet we would rejoice and we would thank him, which is what he wants us to do, which is why it's been recorded we ought to say, even though we feel a bit ashamed that he'd even have to make a prophecy like this that hits a surprise tragedy as regards his death. But again, I find assurance there, and I think you will too, and I find comfort, because in the second place, in this very prophecy that he makes, this very foretelling, Jesus thus assures us that he, he has a full knowledge of the depth to which sin can go and how unpredictable it really is. You and I may say, who knows the depth to which sin can drive us in our lives. We're sometimes surprised, aren't we? And we say, does Jesus really know what sin can get us to do? Well, there he stood on Tuesday, and he was talking to the leaders of his own people. And we may say, was there any excuse for what they were doing? Here on Tuesday, some of them were hating him, and they were plotting his death. Was there any reason for it? With all the prophets that had come in the Old Testament, with the Old Testament foretelling that he would be the Messiah, foretelling that he would come to bring life and salvation, was there any reason for snatching him and murdering him? Was there any excuse? And he was assuring them there wasn't. On the basis of Scripture, there was. They knew who he was. They knew by his miracles and by his teachings that he was the Messiah. They knew on the basis of their Old Testament prophecies that he was fulfilling them. 
But you see, they weren't looking for a Messiah who would come to bring heaven eternal life with God. They were looking for a political Messiah who would overthrow the Caesars, the Roman legions, who again had made them subject to them. They were looking for a political leader and also they didn't want to lose the authority that they had over the people. They knew better. Oh, the depths of sin and how unpredictable it is. I think of a man that shot and killed his wife. And as he talked to me, he said to me, I never realized that I could ever do something like that. How many young sin are shocked and surprised by what sin can bring us to do? How many stand in horror and say, I never realized that I could bring so much tragedy and heartache on a wife or a husband or on the kids? But it's an assurance to know that Jesus knew. Because on that day he was telling them, my death is going to be the surprise tragedy of the universe. It's going to stand as the unthinkable tragedy. Who would ever have dreamed it? Therefore I see this, that he knows the depth to which sin can drive a man. He knows it's so unpredictable. No one can know just what sin in his life may drive him to do. But Jesus understood because again, he said the greatest surprise in the universe will be this, that men will take me and they'll murder me. Even saying that, again, those who were the tenants, they took the son outside of the vineyard and then they killed him. They took Jesus, you know, outside of the city of Jerusalem and then they murdered him. Right on the ball, wasn't he? And the comfort was, the comfort that regardless of in your life and mine of the depths to which sin may have driven us or unpredictable that it's even shocking to us. We, oh, I couldn't have done that to know that he must still love you and me or that he must yearn for our salvation. This is comfort, isn't it? Regardless of what it is, regardless of the depths of sin, the greatest surprise that ever happened was what they did to him. They murdered him. Jesus says, this is the surprise tragedy, the most unthinkable, the most unbelievable, the most incredible event that has ever taken place in human history. You and I know it today. Because some people don't, we some say, why well, they even killed Christ. Think of it, we say. Surprise and think of it. They even murdered Jesus. We say that sometimes, don't we? And much as to say, who would have ever thought it? Yet again, we see love there, don't we? He must have loved you and me a lot. He must yearn for our salvation. And today, when he asks us to thank and praise him, we ought to. It's a tremendous prophecy. Not only that he was going to die, but we have in this prophecy here that, again, it's going to be the tragedy of the human race, the greatest surprise, the most unthinkable event as regards him that ever took place in the line of tragedy, that they murdered him. And when you and I can thank him for that, then we ought to be determined to know this, that in spite of the depth of our sin, or its unpredictableness, in spite of whatever happened in your life and mine, regardless of how shocking that we even say, it, it just couldn't have been I, it, it had to be somebody else, to know that again, he's still available, and that it's never hopeless. He, again, he let them bring the conclusion. When he got through telling the story, he said to his hearers, now, what do you think the landowner will do when he comes back 
from the far country and he sees what they have done to his agents and they, even his enemies said, why, they'll take those tenants, that landowner, he'll take them with and he will unmercifully punish them and put them to death and he will let the vineyard out to somebody else who will give him his share. And this is prophecy too and this is what happened. In the year 70, when Titus, the Roman emperor, came, he destroyed the city of Jerusalem and the nation, didn't he? Destroyed the temple. Yes, leaving not one stone left upon another. And what's happened? The kingdom of God has come to the Gentiles. You and I are Gentiles, non-Jewish. And predominantly, the kingdom of God is Gentile. The vineyard is again. It is now being worked by Gentile Christians. But do you see any mercy in that? God in his mercy, when he destroyed the city of Jerusalem and its nation, now in our times we have seen a reestablishment of Israel. And it ought to mean this to you and me, that the gate is still open, that the gate has not been shut even for Israel, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that it isn't hopeless even for Israel, who again, committed the surprise tragedy of the human race. They murdered God's Son who came into the world to bring the greatest of all blessings that heaven could be still. But the door is still open. It is still open for anyone. And thus we ought to have this assurance that it's, it's never hopeless. It's quite a prophecy, isn't it, there on Tuesday of Holy Week. Sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we look at the parable of the vineyard and we think that all that he prophesied with his death, but oh, there was a lot more than he'd prophesied that a number of times. But here on Tuesday, Holy Week, he is telling them, what a surprise. You're going to be flabbergasted what you're going to do to me. You're going to be just as surprised as when again your forefathers took the prophets and you choked them and you ran them through a buzzsaw and you stoned them and you killed them and you're going to Murder me. May not know it, but you are. Yet there's comfort in that and there's assurance because in that very prophecy uh, that his death would be, again, the surprise tragedy of the human race, the most unexpected thing that ever happened, the most unbelievable, the most incredible, the most astonishing, the, the flabbergasting tragedy of the human race was the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that, again, gives us this assurance that he was a God of perfect wisdom. He said to them after he finished the story, he said, haven't you ever read in your Bible, and it's in Psalm 118, haven't you ever read in your Bible, he said, where the stone which the builders rejected has become the headstone of the corner, where the stone that was rejected became the honor stone, and that God has done this, and this is marvelous in your eyes. Haven't you ever read that? In other words, what a God of wisdom Jesus really was. What's he saying? We may say to ourselves, did they have to do it? Was this predestined that they had to put him to death? And the answer is no. But Christ in his wisdom knew that when he would come into the world to be the Savior, that his own people would murder him. They would reject him, and yet, since they would reject him, this became the plan of salvation, that by his death on the cross, he would accept that death since they would murder him 
And by going to that death voluntarily, he would atone for the guilt and the punishment of the world's sin. And he would merit a robe of righteousness for the entire human race. So the stone that they were rejecting, surprise of all surprises, in his wisdom he said it's going to become the honored stone, and it has, hasn't it? The greatest reversal that has ever taken place in human history, that they murdered him on the cross, and that murder, the surprise of all ages, was overruled by Christ in his wisdom. But it becomes something beautiful, that it brings the greatest blessings that heaven can bestow, freedom from an eternity of being forsaken of God and an eternity with God in heaven. This is the tremendous reversal, and oh, what wisdom. And we say, what comfort. The comfort that this cross, the ignominious murder of Jesus, the surprise tragedy, brings us the greatest blessings, and that's why the cross has become a symbol of a blessing. And the cross, again, it was a horrible way to die. Yet we put it on the altar. You wear it around your neck as an ornament of grace. You wouldn't think of wearing an electric chair around your neck, but that's about what it was, the cross in that day. And you wore a gas chamber or a hangman's noose. But this is what it was, this horrible cross. But what a tremendous reversal and what a comfort. They didn't have to do it, but they did it. And in his wisdom, Jesus says, all right, I'll go to the cross. And by that death on the cross, I will atone for the sins of the world, the greatest blessing that has come. That's why we've got a lot to be thankful for. We ought to, as we thank and praise him, we ought to say this, that in spite of anything, we ought to turn to him and to know that it isn't too late if we want him. It matters not who we are or what we are. It matters not the depth of our sin because he prophesied this shall be the surprise tragedy that he was the God of wisdom that the way is still open. It, again, it, it's not too late. And he said this to them. He said when he talked about the stone which the builders rejected has become the headstone. He says, and I want you to know this that if you fall upon this stone and you try to destroy it, he said, you'll be broken, don't try it. And if this stone falls on you, it'll grind you to dust. Don't you think you'll escape if you reject me? But again, the door was still open. It wasn't hopeless. It wasn't hopeless for Israel. It isn't hopeless for you and me. Again, just to say, oh, what a prophecy, and it's true in this 20th century. The surprise tragedy of the ages is the murder of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like it. Most unbelievable incident that's ever taken place. It's absolutely astonishing. It's just unthinkable. Who would have ever thought it? We say, no, no, it can't be. And yet again, it's never hopeless. Any man... I will say, I'm sorry. Any man that will turn to him, I put my faith and my trust in you as my Savior. Right now, right now, can have salvation. A lot of surprises in this prophecy of a surprise. I think of the two men all riding on a train one day. One was Colonel Lou Wallace and the other one was Bob Ingersoll. You've heard me mention these men. Bob Ingersoll, you know, both of them were infidels. Bob Ingersoll, 
Bob Ingersoll was a fellow, you know, that went around on the lecture platform and he'd take a watch and he'd say, I'm going to give God five minutes if there is a God to strike me dead on the spot. He was the fellow that would stand on the platform, you know, and he'd watch it tick by and people would faint and they'd say, oh God, you know, he was the man tried to exhaust the mercy of God in five minutes, you know. And you see, he couldn't make a fool out of God. And of course, God never struck him dead. But this was the Bob Ingersoll. And Colonel Lew Wallace was one like him. He had no use for God. And above all, both of them hated Jesus Christ. And as they were riding along on the train, we were told that they said, it's about time we're getting rid of this humbug about Jesus Christ. And said, somebody ought to write a book. And somebody ought to just simply put this thing to sleep forever. Who in the world could ever believe in Jesus as the Son of God and as the Savior? And it was Bob Ingersoll that said to Wallace, you, you have ability. You're the guy that can write that book. And Wallace said, all right, I'll write it. And Wallace, you know, he wrote the book. And when it was done, Colonel Lou Wallace gave a copy of it to Bob Ingersoll. And Bob Ingersoll looked at it, and he talked about a surprise. If he had had false teeth, I'm sure they'd have fallen out. He looked at Colonel Lou Wallace, and he said, why, you were supposed to write a book that was simply supposed to make a fool out of Jesus Christ. And laughing to scorn, this book, elevates him, Wallace. Wallace looked at Bob Ingersoll and he said, I, I didn't know enough about him to write a book. So I went to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to find out who he was. And he says, when I read about him, he conquered me. He conquered me. And the name of the book is Ben-Hur. It honors him. This Jesus, the murder, the surprise tragedy of the human race. There are still tremendous surprises because on Tuesday of Holy Week, standing in the temple, Jesus Christ prophesied, not only that he was going to die, but he said again, my murder will be the surprise tragedy of the human race, and he spoke the truth. There are surprises when men face him. And if you and I know him as Lord and Savior, and we thank and praise him because of the assurance and the comfort, then we can, we can go into the holy season of Lent and we can walk the glory road, and we ought to take a new look at that cross. We can sing again on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for the crown. Let's surprise Christ and let's let him conquer us. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.